Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you on this World Communion Sunday for those who have gathered here in the Faith and Arts Center, along for those who are joining us online. Our fall worship series is entitled, The Faith We Sing. We've been celebrating the hymns of Charles Wesley that have inspired the Methodist movement for centuries. And today's featured hymn is perhaps not as familiar as some of the others we've looked at. It's entitled, Come Sinners to the Gospel Feast. It was first published in 1747, so this year it's celebrating its 275th anniversary. And the poem originally had 24 stanzas. The 1989 United Methodist Hymnal Committee decided to divide it into two hymns, and they only included nine of the original 24 verses. Thank you, hymnal editors. But on World Communion Sunday, it is an apt invitation for each of us today, come sinners to the gospel feast. Our scripture lesson comes from 1 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23. I would remind you that Paul's letters were actually written before the gospels. So this may well be the earliest account we have of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Emily Post spent a career teaching Americans the importance of good behavior. Miss Post died when I was two years old, but her advice shaped my life. In a less permissive age, my parents impressed upon me the importance of good behavior both upon my mind as well as other parts of my body. And I earned a bachelor's degree in etiquette and a graduate degree in table manners. My mother and father taught us, you never take a bite of food until after the amen of the blessing. Unfold your napkin, put it on your lap. Never ever put your elbows on the table. You chew with your mouth closed. You don't talk with your mouth full. You seize in conversation with phrases like, please, thank you, you're welcome. When you take a dish, you first pass it to others before you get some for yourself. And you always pass the salt and pepper together. You don't get up from the table without asking, may I be excused? You compliment the cook on a delicious meal and you carry your dishes to the sink. If Miss Post had the opportunity to visit one of our homes, schools, or restaurants today, she would run screaming out into the streets. So I thought on this World Communion Sunday, and only the second time we have had communion since the pandemic in our regular worship services, it might be an apt opportunity for us to brush up on our table manners just a little bit. 
the Lord's Supper originated at the last supper Jesus shared with his disciples. It was in Jerusalem, in an upper room, where they were celebrating the Jewish feast of Passover. The festival recalled and celebrated how God had delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. But in the midst of the meal, Jesus took the ordinary elements of bread and of wine and infused them with extraordinary meaning. He took the bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God and then gave it to the disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And we gather as the church centuries later, continuing to be obedient to Christ's command, do this in remembrance of him. We oftentimes talk about the sacrament as the Lord's Supper, but it goes by other titles as well that give us different insights into its meaning. We call it Holy Communion. Communion means fellowship. Fellowship with God, but also fellowship when we're surrounded by brothers and sisters partaking of the sacred meal. Reverend Sarah talked to the children about how it's sometimes called the Eucharist. It's a Greek word. It means thanksgiving or celebration. For those who grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, you know that the service is called Mass. And it comes from a Latin word in the dismissal, Missa. And the service really emphasizes Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. All these titles remind us in various ways of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love as we celebrate the sacrament. God is the host of the meal. And so our Lord invites us to the table. The traditional liturgy of the United Methodist Church that's in our hymnal and book of worship has an invitation that says, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. It's striking to me what that does not say. It doesn't say you have to have your act together. It doesn't say you have to understand what's going on here. It doesn't say you have to be perfect. Both sinners and saints are invited with that recognition that every saint's a sinner. And when the invitation is spoken, your name and my name, all of our names are on God's lips. Wesley wrote, Come, sinners, to the gospel feast. Let every soul be Jesus' guest. You need not one be left behind, for God hath bid all humankind. After the invitation to the table, children know you're supposed to wash your hands before the meal. And perhaps there have been moments you've sat out in the congregation as the clergy were handling the elements and thought to yourself, huh, wonder if they washed their hands. Well, the last thing I did before I walked in the service today was do just that. And you'll notice we have hand sanitizer, all the servers used prior to serving the elements. That's the physical component to it. But there's also a spiritual component. 
that when we come into God's presence, God's holiness convicts us of our own sinfulness. And we are called to confess our sin before we come to the table. And I've said to you before, confession is not telling God something God does not know. Confession is simply agreeing with God about the sins in our life. And we confess our sinfulness, and we talk about sins of both commission and omission. Sins of commission are those sinful things we have said, thought, and done. Sins of omission are those holy things we have not said, thought, and done. But even in the act of confessing, we hear God's words of forgiveness. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you and I, we all are forgiven. And it says, a forgiven, freed people, we come to God's table. You will notice when we prepare the elements in a few moments that the clergy and the pastors always partake of the elements first. My parents taught me guests go first. And it always makes me very self-conscious that we receive the elements prior to the congregation. Let me assure you this is not a position of prestige or honor. What it is is a recognition that clergy are sinners among sinners. And it's only by God's forgiveness and grace that we in turn can help extend God's forgiveness and grace to others. And so in some ways we serve as co-hosts of the meal but recognizing we are all in the same boat. In the United Methodist Church, we observe what is called an open table. We believe this is God's table. It's not our table. And we don't get to say who can and cannot participate. God invites everyone. And I know there are some folks who will object, and they will say, but there are some people here who are not United Methodist. So, if we believe what we say we believe, we're going to spend eternity together gathered around the Lord's table. We might as well start enjoying one another's fellowship now. And if you're not United Methodist, we can do something about that. Others will object and say, but the young children here, the ones that were up here on the stage, they don't understand what's going on. And my response is, so, I don't really understand everything that's going on here. I do remember Jesus saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. And I can't imagine throwing a dinner party and telling the children they don't get to eat. Others will object, but what if someone is not a Christian? So, a meal celebrating God's grace and mercy, who needs it more? In fact, John Wesley said that the sacraments are means of grace. They are ways God portrays in physical elements spiritual lessons. It's an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And this may be the moment that someone accepts Christ as their own Savior and Lord. Sent by my Lord on you I call, the invitation is for all. 
Come all the world, come sinner thou. All things in Christ are ready now. Another practice in the United Methodist Church is that we invite people to come forward to receive the sacrament. And some of you may have grown up in traditions where the elements were passed out to the congregation and people received them in their seats. We think the act of coming forward is physically and spiritually significant because salvation comes by grace through faith, but we must receive it. And that physical act of coming forward is an act of responding to God's invitation in our lives. And although this may be a lesson in linguistics, I do think it's an important distinction between taking communion and receiving communion. We take nothing. We receive everything. And one of the practices I was taught as a young teenager was when I came forward to receive the elements, to take my hands, because posture and worship is important, and to place them atop each other in the sign of the cross. And that very basic posture of prayer reminds me it's all grace, and we receive it by God's love and God's mercy. Now, communion can be served in a variety of different ways. I remember in my childhood... The United Methodist Church that I attend ordered those little bitty square unleavened bread from Cokesbury. Tasteless, hard. I assume people in Jesus' time simply did not know how to bake bread. The minister also talked a great deal about wine, but it always tasted like Welch's grape juice to me. Now, when I came to Northside, we typically served by what was known as intinction, that you would receive a piece of bread, dip it into a common cup, and then partake of the elements. Then the pandemic occurred. And over the past couple of years, we have found very creative ways to celebrate Holy Communion. Today, we're still using what are called prepackaged elements. One side has the wafer, the other side has the juice. Reverend Sever talked about that. It's a way to safeguard people's health, but at the same time, continue to celebrate the sacrament in this setting. When people receive the elements, some people just don't quite know what to do at that moment. And some people will say, thank you, which is certainly fine, it's good manners, but a traditional liturgical response to receiving the elements can be, thanks be to God. I will share with you one little confession from my childhood. Whenever we walked into the sanctuary, and as a young boy, I realized it was Communion Sunday, my heart fell to the ground. I did not look forward to the Lord's Supper. And I would like to tell you, because as an eight-year-old, I had this budding theological, liturgical concern about how the church was handling the sacrament. You know the reality. I walked in, saw the table prepared, and I thought, this service is going to last forever. So allow me to give you two assurances. The first is our worship team works really hard crafting worship, trying to make every element support the central theme. We look at time. We look at transitions. We invest a lot of energy into making this a significant time while trying to leave space for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to watch your watch or check your phone. We're doing it for you. But here's the second element. 
in our chaotic, crazy, wild world, you're going to be given a gift here in just a few moments. Five, seven minutes of downtime while others are receiving the elements. It's a gift to sit in God's presence, to be surrounded by the church, to have a quiet time to pray for yourself, to pray for others, to simply be in God's presence. You're welcome. So the invitations are sent. The table is set. The guests have arrived. The host is prepared. And we have the opportunity to participate in the Lord's Supper, to come and enjoy fellowship with God and with one another, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to drink and be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. Ye who believe his record true shall sup with him and he with you. Come to the feast, be saved from sin, for Jesus wants to take you in. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God's people say, Amen.